Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome, everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters, and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we are here today with my summer uh, co-host, Marietta Skeen, as well as our guest, Lynn Simon. So welcome, ladies. Thanks. Hello. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> you guys sounded like a coven for a moment there. Hello. Hello. I like that talk. <laughs> so, um, Marietta, why don't you go ahead and, and introduce Lynn and tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Well, I'm very happy to have Lynn Simons, as in diamonds. Yes. Which I'm, I have to keep remembering. Uh, here today, we met a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe five, I think we determined. Yeah. Um, at Speaker Sisterhood, kind of like a Toastmasters for women. Mm. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway, and I always thought that Lynn was up to fun things, and I was very excited uh, to connect. And I guess recently I found out she was uh, getting involved with death work, which I find very interesting for all of my reasons. But I imagine that a lot of people have very different opinions about this work and um, I'm intrigued to hear more about it from Lynn as well as sort of how it integrates with other work that she's into because I know she's a musician mm-hmm. rocking out around the valley yes it's true <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thanks for being here <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with with death in like mm. all the ways that it's a spiritual process and so I'm very very excited that you're here mm-hmm. great yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a very death positive community in Northampton. Isn't there like a lot of death cafes around? Uh, yeah, I know one person who is running a death cafe. Um, and there I have a few people that I've been talking to who are interested. Once once I made the announcement on the social media that I was uh, in doing this work or starting or learning this work, um, a few people reached out to me and um, they were very interested and had their own um backgrounds and own different interests so it it's yeah it's not for everybody (laughs) um but I certainly feel drawn to it and um I'm sorry I'm starting to find the other people who are drawn to it yeah so just to be clear you are training as I know you're training as a hospice volunteer Mm -hmm. and a death doula correct is that right can you tell us more about what that is so I didn't even know a death doula, ex- I didn't know that that was a thing or existed until um, last year or maybe the year before. I actually followed uh, this page on social media, uh, Going With Grace. Um, she's, and she's, a wonderful, she's a great social media presence. She was talking about being a death doula and all this very death positive uh, stuff. And that's when I realized that there was a person who could come along and literally like kind of sit bedside with people to help them die and once they did die help with the body help the families prepare the body if that's what they wanted to do instead of sending it to a funeral home Mm -hmm. and uh, do their own home funeral which is traditionally what we did 
forever until about like the turn of the century, uh, turn of the 20th century. Um, and so I had learned about that when I, in college, when my mother died. So my mom died when I was 20. And um, it was obviously a horrific and traumatic experience. And the kind of fallout after that, like going through the traditional funeral uh, wake and, you know, that whole, basically like the week of of the funeral stuff was uh, deeply disturbing to me, uh, like kind of added to a later layer of trauma um, because seeing her embalmed was like, I mean, I, I had them close the casket because I, re- I just couldn't um, deal with it. It didn't look right. It looked weird and wrong, and I didn't get to see her, uh, like, I never got to see her body when, uh, when she passed, like, mm. when she died, because um, she died in the hospital and uh, was just, I guessed. You know, the standard procedure was like Take them away. taken to the morgue and then taken to the funeral home. And um, I just, I'll, I will always have a wound around that, just not being able to witness uh, her her being dead, which I think now, like I'm, some of the work I'm trying to do is to make sure that everybody knows that they have a right mm. to be with their person. Even if they die in a hospital, they can take the body home uh, totally legal under the right it's there is no law that says um with some exceptions except that there's like a violent death or something like that there might be some whole time where they have to do investigations and things like that but on the whole uh that body is yours and um you have ownership to it like it doesn't have to go to a funeral home and people don't know that no people people don't really know know that i don't think they think about it um, I don't think we do a lot of planning. It just kind of happens. Like also when my mom died, I, I realized we didn't do any planning. Uh, we were totally unprepared. Of course, I was basically a child. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, really do much. And my, my dad just wasn't able to carry that, uh, the weight of the, the stress and the, he wasn't able to really hold space because he was also totally broken. Right. Right. Um, so I just know the impact of grief very personally. Um, I know it completely shattering your world I know how it feels like as a young person and uh, I also know how to you know heal from it and I and I don't mean like get over it because I don't think you ever get over it I think it's like you learn to live with the grief and ideally work with it and move move it and um but it, I, I think it, you know, it comes up, uh, you know, they can be uh, triggering events. Uh, it's just something that you have, you learn to just live with, basically. Mm. Um, so that's like the long and short of what like, <laughs> got me into death work. So wait, let me circle back to when I, when I heard the word death doula, I was like, what? Like it like awoke something inside me that I was like, oh my God, what is that? Um, and so I started following her and then I realized she did a training, which I didn't even know that she trained people. So then I immediately signed up and it was during the pandemic when everything fell apart. And it was like this serendipitous moment where I happened to like watch something that she was, 
uh, doing, her name's Elua Arthur, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, and she was doing this like Zoom call and um, happened to mention that she was doing a training and I just immediately went and signed up for it and um, it felt like the perfect time because I lost all of my jobs yeah. <laughs> and I had plenty of time. Plenty of spaciousness. It's yeah. a great way to spend the pandemic. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> and there's so much grief happening. Yeah. yeah. Like to everybody, like yep. a worldwide collective mm-hmm. grief. Um, so it was a good time to go through that. Um, but then I wasn't able to do hospice volunteering uh, until now. Like I'm just about to finish up my training on a Monday actually and start working with people because I've never actually, um, I haven't been able to do the work yet. So I've, I've got all the training and We're catching you at a right yeah. time. <laughs> I've done sure. all the reading and I'm like sitting here totally prepared. And now I'm actually going to go out and start doing the work. Mm-hmm. And then after I've had some experience, um, I'm going to start offering it as to the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that through a hospital or a different organization, the hospice training that you're doing? Yeah. The hospice is through a uh, hospice of Pioneer Valley. Okay. Um, I actually learned that hospices, there's uh, there's so many different hospices. Like, hosp- you say the word hospice, but, like, ho- there's many, many different ones that operate independently that you can choose from. Mm. So I happened to fall to this one uh, because they were doing a tra- an in-person training, and uh, I really wanted to get in there. So yeah, hands, hands on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's uh, mostly home hospice and some like nursing home um, assisted living facilities. I was going to say, I wonder if there's all these different types of hospice, like out of the hospital or mm-hmm. yeah, I think travel. Cooley Dickinson has one. Um, yeah, there's a. They're not necessarily affiliated with Religion. hospitals. Yeah, there is one called Zen Hospice in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one is a little bit more like uh, alternative. Uh, they, I think they go uh, more like the Buddhist way. And they, I know that they have uh, actual ceremonies there. So and this is in this beautiful like San Francisco mm-hmm. house. Like you wouldn't even know it's hospice. It was like one of the house, beautiful houses that you just would go by. So it's very unassuming. And um, people go there to, to die. And um, I think they provide really beautiful services. And I think a lot of the hospice, well, this, this hospice that I'm training with also provides really good hands-on care. You get like a whole team of people and the volunteers are part of the team. Um, and eventually I'm seeing if we can work death doulas into the hospice system, but that's... Oh, they're not a part of it yet. I mean, no. I mean... Yeah, can you tell the difference? What's what's the difference yeah. between hospice versus death doula? Like, where, right. where what does that divide? Like, who would be kind of within the world of hospice versus... Yeah, can you give us a little navigation within those terms? Totally. Uh, hospice is like, we're with... You've gotten a six-month or less diagnosis terminal diagnosis generally um so it's all about making you comfortable uh the end is imminent and you get like nurse social worker doctor uh home health aide to come in uh if you're at home or in a nursing care facility um to help out and especially there's probably a caregiver around and sometimes there's not sometimes people are totally alone so um you're also kind of giving the the caregiver some respite like maybe the volunteer will come 
and sit for a couple of hours with the person so the caregiver can just like go and do whatever they need to do for a couple of hours. Um, so it's all about the end of life care. And once the person has died, it's, you know, the hospice is out, but you know, they'll follow up with like, they have a little hospice I work, I'm volunteering with has like a bereavement counselor and a spiritual advisor. And they'll like definitely call and check in. But, um, a death doula has, um, is there with you until you die and can also be there for the process of taking care of the body if you so desire, which I don't even think a lot of people know that that's an option. Like most of the time it's like call a nursing or call a funeral home, but you uh, legally can have a body for up to five days. Um, it's actually, un- it's actually kind of unclear. It's basically there's like no real law, but it's like you can have a body in your home for up to five days. You mm. just, after 24 hours, you just need to put ice on it. Um, to put, it on ice. Yeah. put it on ice. Put it on ice. It's, it's a cliche <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And you have 24 hours for sure before you have to call a funeral home. So if you wanted to do the funeral home route, you have 24 hours to be with the body, to just like accept that this person, you know, just it, I, think it's so helpful Mm. to to accept that this person's gone to like to move through that to see this to see them as not alive anymore yes you know um it can be really Mm -hmm. healing i think it would be unexpectedly healing and actually unexpectedly calm and like peaceful rather than like horrific and you know confusing yeah i mean i imagine it's confusing for Mm -hmm. a lot of people to just kind of be like where did where did they go exactly where did they go yeah they just they're just there and then they're just gone yeah and if you can see that process or at least see the person shortly after they've gone i think it's tremendously helpful Mm. in like helping you work through grief yeah what's your favorite part of being a death doula like so far i know that you're kind of you know like getting into these spaces and really exploring but like do you have a part like do you love like cleaning the body do you love or preparing the body do you love like helping people through the like grieving process like what really lights you up and all of that Mm. um that's a great question uh well i mean because i haven't like actually done hands-on with with body work yet but i i'm really it's it's i don't want (laughs) to You can get with respect. Yes, this is like a topic that it's I just Friday. love and I'm obsessed <laughs> with. So yeah. you're safe here. We're all going to die. Yeah. Let's just acknowledge that as yeah. we're entering into this. Of like this, sh- I don't know. I've noticed a couple times I've been like, "Ooh, we're talking about death," a little yeah. like shaky, and it's mm-hmm. like, "Wow, we are all going to experience this in so many different ways." Mm-hmm. So yeah. I just want to bring that in. Yeah. So I am looking forward to assisting a family with helping them like bathe their loved one. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. And um, like spiritual, I mean, it's like, it's what we have done since like the beginning of time as humans where we would take care of our dead and we're so removed from it now. It's been taken from our hands. Um, and medicalized and demonized in a lot of ways. Like a to- it's like a failure if you die. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the last possible thing that you want to happen is that you're going to die, which is so ridiculous because we're all going to die. I mean, it's, of course, if you're young, you don't. You know, there's of course cer- certain circumstances where like you want to keep on living, but like you know, I mean, eventually we're just going to 
Yeah, I mean, we're all going there. It's, 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 it's such a paradox. It's so mm-hmm. funny. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to just like educating families. I mean, that's probably, that's where I'm going to start is just like educating people that like you can do this. Did you know that you could do this? Mm-hmm. It's your right. Uh, you can save thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, money is a real issue. Yeah, it really it's expensive, is. you know. It's very expensive. Embalming and, and um, caskets. I mean, I'm also curious about the funeral mm-hmm. process. You know, people don't have to buy these thousands of dollar caskets do they they well you can rent a casket as a thing you do and i don't i just want to be clear that i i think funeral homes do great work and like i am not bashing funeral homes i think that they help people and that some people have had great experiences there i just want people to know that there are alternatives that there's options it's not the only thing that you that you have to do right Uh, and embalming is not required by law um you don't have to do it Ever, in fact, I believe it's only the United States and Canada that embalming even happens. The rest of the world doesn't even do embalming. It's it's something that was invented uh, during the Civil War um, when they had to figure out how to send soldiers home intact so that their families could see them because it was very important to see the body of your loved one. Um, and then from there, it just kind of like, uh, from what I understand, uh, became a scheme where. Someone was like, hmm, I can make some money here by uh, look at look how plump your loved one will look after <laughs> they don't even look dead anymore. So it's uh, and tell us what's in embalming. What's the chemical? What what? It's a you. bunch of nasty chemicals. Yeah. Um, not, I, I actually I just read that like embalmers have like a their their lifespan is like ten years. Like it takes ten years off their life because the chemicals are so intense. Wow. Yeah, it's like stuff you would never want in your body yeah as an alive person absolutely <laughs> i mean it would kill you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah so it's a it's a weird process where they also they take out all the fluids so first they they like and it's it's like invasive and kind of violent uh that they like cut they like poke holes in your organs i'm sorry everybody it's a little <laughs> it's you said i could get graphic but yeah uh, it's okay yeah well. yeah they like poke holes in your uh, your different organs and drain all the fluids all those fluids go through the sewer system uh, and then they refill everything back up with these like formaldehyde and I don't even, I mean, I don't even know what the names of the chemicals are, but they're, they're bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think it looks, makes the, makes the two, well, I've had a couple experiences, but my grandfather and my mother who I both saw and my grandfather died when I was 15 and I also made them close the casket um, because he looked so weird to me. He looked like, he looked like a little, he looked like a wax doll, you know, mm-hmm. it was shiny. Puffy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I saw my aunt, um, I, which was so healing. I got to see my aunt after she had died and maybe she, she had died that night and I got to see her in the morning and she looked dead and it was so helpful. I mean, I had this like feeling, I, I'll never forget the feeling. It was one of those profound feelings that this like, it was this cry that came up from like the pit of my stomach where it was like the mm. the grief like came out of me but it felt like good yeah it felt like like i was purging something and i was like accepting that she was gone like in that moment um so i was so glad i got to see her and had i known what i know now i know that we could have like kept her for much longer i would have like anointed her i would have done things you know things that I will 
be doing from now on <laughs> for other people for yeah. other people and for yeah. for my family um yeah. hopefully mm. if they're not too weirded out by it my dad's a little old school but i yeah. have to have you're gonna start with our, our own family <laughs> yeah. first yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well i've been really um intrigued by your mention of of what i kind of think of as grief work mm-hmm. sort of what do you how do you deal with loss mm. in general mm-hmm. and one thing that you mentioned yesterday that i was struck by was sort of how you b- developed or evolved with your music i know we haven't talked about music yet so i'm slipping it yeah. in <laughs> um you know just mentioning kind of how in your experience of losing your mom there were there wasn't a lot of conversation or a lot of support the way a death doula would be there for you mm-hmm. And I just, can you share a little bit about how, what unfolded for you creatively with that or how it kind of brings together the things that you're up to these days? Absolutely, I can do that. (laughs) Um, So right after she died, I went back to, well, okay, like a month after she died, I went back to college and um Everybody was afraid of me, <laughs> and nobody knew because you say. were grieving. I so appreciate. Yeah, I was like the weird girl whose mom had just died, and all my friends who were just children. As I remind myself, we were all just children, so they were all like, eh. they didn't know. They visibly did not know what to do when I walked in a room, um, and I had never really had that experience of of before. Yeah, um, people don't know what to do with other people's grief or any know. feelings for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And we get scared of each other. I just mm. appreciate how you s- speak to that, that we yeah. can get scared of what we think is brewing in others. And yeah. Ugh. It was so clear to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh my God, everyone is afraid of me and I'm afraid and I don't know what to say and nobody knows what to say. Um, so it was really lonely and I had to sit with this new feeling that I had no roadmap for, no um, outlet for, and no language for at all. And it was almost like, it was as if society was like, oh, you got your one week or, and people rushed in. I mean, for like a week we were like taken care of, you know, uh, people brought us food. Everyone was, mm. we were not alone for like a second and then everybody went away. And we were alone and it was like, that's when it really was clear that our life had been destroyed <laughs> because we had, we were now without, uh, our, our mother, uh, and, or our wife in my dad's case, which is a, a huge part of our family. We were not our family anymore. We were, we did not know who we were anymore. Yeah. Um, and we couldn't talk about it with each other. And so I had started playing guitar and I had always been singing. I was big into chorus in high school and um, like performing and stuff. But I had never written my own songs. I had written a couple of like funny songs. So I had written a couple of songs where they were funny and like I was like, you know, um, entertaining my friends and stuff. And then um, I would sit in my room and like just like I really turned to, to guitar for just helping I mean just just strumming the guitar was like helpful to just be like doing something Mm. and um then I started to my own surprise writing songs uh that were not funny uh that were kind of strange and um definitely full of grief but in this way that was almost like it wasn't like uh it was it was more existential it was not like uh, like literally me being like, my mom died. You know, it was not literal. It was uh, these 
these weird lyrics would come to me and they would surprise even me. And then uh, I sang one of them to a friend and he was like, wow. I mean, he really was like, Lynn, that's a really good song. And I was like, okay, I thought so, but I just need to... (laughs) Yeah, I just need a little comment. (laughs) I needed someone else to hear it. Um, And, you know, you can tell when someone is actually, like, lit up and really excited. And he was really lit up and excited. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm on to something here. And then they just kept coming. And um, those songs... So this was all written in my early 20s. All these songs that I wrote, uh, I got better at guitar. And I I don't even think I realized at the time, but I realize now how helpful that was for me to just turn this like immense amount of like trauma into something and I also Mm -hmm. ended up going to therapy finally after like a little bit I went to after like eight months I started going to therapy thank god and that was also extremely helpful um but the create like the act of like creating something during that time um and something that I would that that I was like, wow, this is really good. Like mm-hmm. this feels good. Uh, my voice got too. better. Um, the more that I sang, the, the stronger my voice got, and um, the more you were telling your truth. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, I was. I was try. I was speaking to these these feelings that I couldn't even understand uh, in these in this weird kind of quirky way. That was very me, actually. Um, <laughs> so I was really excited about that and then also looking back i realized it was a form of keening yeah which i'm really and what's, what's keening oh, what's well, keening let me tell you <laughs> about keening which is another thing i'm i'm very uh i don't exactly know how to how to bring this to the well that's not true i'm i'm figuring out how to bring keening to the community keening is the ancient art of um of grieving of like of uh vocalizing your grief so keeners were actually like hired professionals uh, women you, mostly usually yeah. women yeah almost you, usually women um i'm very drawn to the the irish tradition because of I, my lineage is irish mm-hmm. but there's uh lineages of, of keeners throughout like many 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 cultures um and and evidence of like a- in ancient egypt and in the ancient aztecs like evidence that it was, you know, cultures that did not even know each other existed were doing the same practice, you know, that kind of stuff that gives mm. you the chill. How do you spell mm-hmm. keening? What is like? K-E-E-N-I-N-G. Okay. Keening. Keening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when I spell things, I can like stick them in my mind longer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. So in the Irish tradition, um, it was like these, these, it was a tradition that was like passed down probably like through family. So like if you were a keener, you're like a keening family and you, you kind of passed it down. Mm. Uh, they were very important. They were like usually living in kind of like the village. They were like these village women who were kind of like shaman-esque kind of women. You know, it was like the kind of thing where it was like you, you had the gift, you know. Um, and they would come to funerals and... Um, do these wailing cries that are not necessarily like pretty. It's not like when you think of like the beautiful Irish like laments. It, it wasn't really like that. I it's heard like the ugly crying. It it's was like guttural and guttural. raw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I heard one example of it I, when I was doing a bunch of research on keening recently, and there was this 
there was a show where this woman found like the last keener she could find because the Catholic church was in the forties was like, no, 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 we don't like this. We don't like this. We like things sanitized a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they, they put a stop to keening, but there was like one woman on one of the islands, uh, who was still was a keener. So she recorded her doing the keening and it was very strange. It was like kind of uncomfortable. Um, but like that was the point like the keeners are supposed to help you digest your grief and like you being a mourner hearing this like you're probably so in shock like it's so hard you know to like feel those feelings when it's so immediate so the idea of the keeners are like doing it for you and like it's healing for you to hear those sounds mm. um they also sometimes get physical and like beat the coffin or like pull their hair out and i mean that like expression of grief i mean you want like the body wants to do that the body wants to grieve the body knows how to grieve healing yeah and it it has it inside of it's it's like a feeling that's very powerful and probably very scary to people so i think sometimes even watching them it would be like uncomfortable for the mourners um in this culture yeah i mean disconnected from the body well yeah for sure yeah um but it couldn't you know it's it 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 was just a, a practice that um I think is so fascinating and the idea of like keening and using your voice um, to heal also feels very near and dear to my heart. And so mm-hmm. while I was, the sounds I were making were, were more pretty, I will say <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was definitely accessing um, primal sound, which is another thing I want to talk about in relation to keening because Primal Sound is introduced to me through my voice teacher. I started taking voice lessons last year, even though I've been singing for so long, but I actually t- started taking proper voice lessons, which was really helpful. And her name's Jane Hansen. And um, she teaches Primal Sound. So she teaches you to access your own Primal Sound. Like everyone has their own specific special Primal Sound. And that's how you can have your best singing voice or your that's a place to start yeah it's like what's natural in your body exactly so the sounds you would normally make like huh or uh uh-huh you know the the sounds (laughs) laughing (laughs) yeah those are all primal sounds and like she makes she has all these exercises where you're using those primal sounds um to strengthen your voice and then one day I made the, when I was looking, when I was uh, thinking about keening, I had learned about keening. I was researching keening. And I was like, oh my God, keening is primal sound. Keening is primal sound. Yes. And, just uh, started all connecting for yeah, you. It was like was that like, Da Vinci moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, the music I'm making now, um, I do have a band called X Temper who uh, we rock, we rule. It's awesome. I sing with two, uh, there's two other singers in the group and we sing together. We sing harmonies. Um, and then during the pandemic, I started working on my own solo stuff again and it just took a different turn. And I, I, I had always kind of wanted to make like a vocal centric, um, music, music that revolved around the vocals, like the vocals are the main thing. And, um, then I, so I started writing songs in that way where the vocals were like, I wrote the vocals first and then started using like some effects on the vocals and like I have a looper, I have all these little like gadgets and machines to like loop stuff and um, do different things. And um, then I started, and it just kind of happened that I started using some of the primal sound exercises like in the songs. So 
um, I have a song where I like laugh as the chorus and it's almost like a maniacal laugh kind of, but it's like a primal sound laugh. And then I realized that that was how I could bring like keening or the idea of keening and primal sound to people would be like through my actual music and through my mm. singing. Um, because I don't think we're quite ready for, and I don't. I wouldn't even know how to begin to be like, "Hi, everybody! I'm a keener, and I can come and keen at your funerals." <laughs> With my hair out. <laughs> yeah, well, you can say I do hospice. I do music for hospice. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's yeah, that's definitely yeah. something. That's I like the do. tamed version. Right. That's like <laughs> the word, the acceptable way to describe. Oh, no, I, I don't say air quotes acceptable, but mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, palatable way of right (laughs) that's so cool yeah and i'm just thinking about how much i mean uh, how much of healing work is about grief work Mm -hmm. so regardless of uh, if someone's died or passed on or anything that we all have grief work to do so if i'm sitting in a bar listening to your music Mm -hmm. and something resonates around grief i mean this happens with music all the time Mm -hmm. That's healing for even outside the realm of specific literal death, you know, Yes, which everyone has anyway. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I feel like I can imagine like Pulaski Park, like you doing some kind of keening or primal sound stuff just like downtown and like let people just like wander in and like heal whatever sort of, you know, allowing this kind of like grief work to be done in a public place Mm -hmm. where maybe it's not centric around someone's individual funeral, Mm -hmm. but like maybe for like the town of and, you know, sometimes people are just drawn to things in the the right way and, you know, people are going to be repelled and come closer and, you know, all Mm -hmm. those kind of like dynamics, but, um, the collective healing around that could be a really fun thing to play for because it's I mean I feel like for music it's it's there's like you know the musician and then there's the audience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know the larger audience so I feel like on a collective level that could be like for actual you know downtown scene could be like pretty magical I'll come with you yeah I will watch I'll I'll go and cry I'll go and cry (laughs) (laughs) I, I was thinking about like how to do like a a group like a grief like a a group where you make your grief sounds or something yeah yeah i don't know i this is all it's all new very new yeah well you know empty arms is right next door do you know that organization Mm -hmm. it's for um basically like uh mothers who experience stillbirth Mm -hmm. uh or basically any any yeah, it's like you're supposed to come home with a baby and you don't. So yeah. um, so they're, they do a lot of grief work. And they're in the basement. I'm like, you guys need to clear your space more oh, regularly. I should, I should definitely. Yeah. But they're right. Yeah, yeah, they're a really cool organization. I, um, I just learned that it's like very, I mean, it's more common than you think to have a stillbirth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah big time. I mean, miscarriages happen all the time. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there, that is a specific grief. That's another grief that like. We don't make room no, for in this culture. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware uh, in this time that I'm curious about alternative options for burials. I saw a documentary. I can't remember what it's called, like Dying Well, Good Dying, Good Death. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Good Death. Yeah. And I it think was, I saw that same documentary. Yeah. <laughs> where the woman was so loving with the body. Mm-hmm. There were a couple women and they would wear these beautiful outfits and they would just tend to the body and, and create beautiful ceremonies where people could really bring their own flavor. It was very personal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't go as much into the burial process as much as the ceremonial and tending. But anyway, I am interested in the 
Yeah, so there's many alternatives. I really think that this is, that the future will be different. Um, Because I don't, I mean, burying an embalmed body in a casket that's also in a vault. Like, there's a, uh, most, a lot of cemeteries, like, require you have a vault, like a cement vault, and then a casket. Seems unsustainable. It's pretty intense. Um, And a lot of that time, a lot of it's for, like, keeping the, um, you know, the, the land looking even or something like that. Uh, so, but that's not all, you know, that's not all cemeteries. Certainly. Uh, I mean, my favorite cemetery is Mount Auburn in, uh, Cambridge. It's also an arboretum and it's just like the best, most beautiful cemetery I've ever been to. It's gorgeous. Um, so there's serving several purposes and I think they have a, a cremation place there, like on site. Um, Anyway, different ways we can dispose of bodies. There's lots of options. So there actually are a lot of cemeteries that do let you do green burial. You just have to ask. Um, They might have you do, they might make you get a vault, but like without the top. So turning the vault upside down and covering the body, but the body would be on the earth. Not in a casket. Not in a casket. green burial means? Yeah, green burial means... um, that you're actually no green burial means you're not in bombs and you are in like a either a shroud or like you can be in a, a like a wood casket and natural burial is being like buried in the earth um so you can be buried and it's mostly it might even be legal it's the, like the all the stuff around like uh bodies and death is like there's basically like not laws written. So it's like in this weird kind of gray area. So it can, you you may possibly be able to bury somebody in your backyard. That's what I was going to ask. But you do, just... ha- you do have to have, if you bury a bo- body in your yard, it has to be written into the deed of your land so that oh, people don't accidentally sense. find a body in yeah. your yard. So like if, a new, if somebody bought your house, they'd know that there's actually a marked grave mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So that, that is, I, I do know that. Ah, okay. That's yeah, that was that was something that I like specifically asked um, the green burial from Massachusetts uh, yeah. lady when she came on my show many years ago. I was like, can you just like bury people in your backyard? Yeah, and she's not? like, no. Well, yes, but no. <laughs> mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's good to know. I see, I learned things too. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's yeah. a lot of ins and outs to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's sticky and, and strange. Um, and um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so... Um, also, with natural burial, uh, you bury you bury the body three feet in the ground, not in, as opposed to six feet, because at three feet there's still like microbes and stuff in the mm-hmm. soil that will decompose the body pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty quick, and like a lot of people get like nervous about like coyotes, or, like or whoever coming in, uh, digging, bur- them digging them up, and that is like not an issue because at that winter three feet down, like they can't really smell that deep. This is what I've, from my research and what I've heard, that this that that's doesn't happen. They're not gonna. They're not not it's a, a problem. Myth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and other ways that uh, of disposal um, are aqua cremation, which is like a new and kind of like upcoming thing that I, as far as I can tell, we don't have in Massachusetts yet. And it's also one of those kind of like weird gray area things. So aqua cremation is the opposite of uh, our 
standard fire cremation, which I think like 70% of the country chooses. It's like, why, wow. you know, that is like the most people get cremated these days. Wow. Yeah. It's like very high. Um, and um, so this process is like gentler. It's better for the environment. Um, you put the body into this kind of like, big vault thing and it's full of uh, water with some like acidity to it that dissolves all of the muscle and the skin and the organs and so what all you have left is the bone and the 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 stuff that comes out like all of the melted I mean I shouldn't say melted yeah all of your melted parts are really good like fertilizer yeah yeah so I really so um the aqua cremation place I know of in Colorado uh they you can you can take that home and like fertilize your garden or you can like or sometimes they'll give it to like local farms some people are freaked out by that but it's like some people aren't (laughs) but you could like put you could put that and then plant a tree on top of it and have like a beautiful memorial that Mm -hmm. still honors you know like the life cycle right yeah Yeah. they're called be a tree cremation yeah um and so what's left is just the bone uh and then the bones are dried and then they're crushed and that is the cremated remains that you get and they're totally white because it's just bone. It's like pure bone. Whereas the cremated remains you get from a crematory are usually like the clothing and the they have to be put in like a cardboard box to be put into the cremation. So it's cardboard. It's just like you're getting a, a lot of extra uh, things in there yeah and um it sounds it's not- like it sounds a little bit like how animals are processed you know mm. like with like you know the, you know because the bone char is like basically crushed and then that's also added to like sugar to mm. make it look white and there's mm. you know i mean they just right. do different things with the animals than they would with human remains but it sounds like kind of a similar process mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and right. it's uh better for the environment because cremation is not great yeah for the environment it has co2 emissions so I don't think a lot of people know that either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very excited about aqua cremation. That's like my, that's, I'm, I'm trying to see, I mean, very, 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 I'm at the very beginning of this stuff, but like if we could bring that here. There's also Recompose where they're uh, in Washington and it just passed in Colorado where you can actually um, compost human bodies. So that's another, I mean, I, mean, I think that that is where we're, we're going um, and it's starting slow, but those are great alternative methods and they're actually kind of good for the environment because you can bring those things back and have your garden grow. And I think one of the, I think the recompose in, uh, in Seattle might, I think they have like grounds, like the beautiful gardens in their grounds where they're like using wow. the remains to like make more. Yeah, it's like, that's beautiful. That's like the cycle of life. It totally. I mean, it really reminds me of how we're connected, right? The chicken that we just... Uh, grew up and then slaughtered and then ate and then put into outhouse and then you know it's like it's like how can we be a part of that too with mm-hmm. our own bodies yeah that's a a trip yeah to consider so i think a lot is happening now um a lot of people are interested in this work there's like a lot of death doulas popping up. I hope yeah. that that becomes a more like, instead of people being like, what's a death doula, which most people say, I hope that they're like, oh, you know, it becomes more of a, uh, of a normal thing. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, on that note, are there any hopes or dreams that you have? I'm hearing about the aqua mm-hmm. cremation. Mm-hmm. Any other about sort of um, death work for the future that you're hoping? Yeah, I'd love for us to um, face death and understand it's going to happen and try and be be good with it. I mean, I I say that and I don't I don't know if I'm like, good no with it. Deal. I mean, I yeah, totally, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a kind it's terrifying. It's 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 weird. Um I've experienced it, you know, have it having it personally like affect my life, but I still like can't imagine my dad dying. You know, it's it's a hard thing to grapple with, but I think if we were doing that more communally and talking about it more and like letting kids go to funerals and like uh having you know bodies like you're going to see your friend or your loved one who died and you get to see them laid out you know in their home i i think that would be so helpful i hope that like we bring it back into our hands um Mm. back into the home and do our own you know creative ceremonies around it that's that's what i hope to be offering and hoping to empower people to do that themselves you know um choose how they want to have their their funeral done you can get like quirky i mean everyone's got their own interests and like and stuff that they're into so you could do very creative things you know rather than the standard kind of cookie cutter funerals that we do Mm. um but if that works for you, that's fine too. Not, no judgment, you know. You like <laughs> there's, there's lots of options yeah. and lots of ways. Lots of ways to you know not uh, harm the earth after we leave too. Right. Yeah. Right. I so. love that. And to find ways that we can express our wishes ahead of time before, you know, beforehand. So yeah. like you know when things happen unexpectedly, that there's some preparation for the people that we love. Right. My but, mother has planned her funeral, and oh, my whole life oh, we've easy. all known the song she wants to play, right. like an old oldies song, and yeah. the candy she wants handed out. I mean, she's oh like gosh. got it all figured out. <laughs> so if we raised our kids talking about this kind of thing, it mm-hmm. would be normalized a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yes, I love it. <laughs> So, um, so thank you, Lynn Simons, for for being here. And and how can people find uh, you and your music? And what's the easiest way that um, if they are curious about you? Oh, totally. Um, so the best way at this present juncture is to follow my Instagram at the third me. My music project is called the third. My band is called X Temper. Um, and I'll get to you know the website and stuff eventually. <laughs> That's okay. But you I, know, a website is just one one little thing in this mm-hmm. world. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Marietta, for being here all summer with me for thank these you. this uh, summer series of three interviews. So it's been been lovely having you here too. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. Yes. So have a great weekend, everyone, and be well. <laughs>